just move the body you're in. Welcome to the Just Move podcast, where we talk about all things movement related in and around South Africa. Today we are interviewing someone on Just Move, which is very, very exciting. I've known him for a couple of years. The first time I met Rich after stalking him socially was a couple of years ago, 2015. We both signed up to a MoveNet course in Cape Town. I think it might have been the first certification. I think there were a few workshops before. But anyway, that's the first time I met Rich. Back then, he was... I associated Rich with uh, primal movement training, general body weight training and stuff. He had some pretty cool moves on the rings. And over that weekend, we learned the course, hang out a bit. I think we had a good enough connection to see some future prospects happening, I think. And yeah, the rest is history. We've been keeping up each other near and far. And it's been very interesting to see Rich grow what he's been doing. So I'm going to try and talk less and get the man himself to talk more, but I'll definitely blabber on with him as we go. So welcome, Rich. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for your cool. time. Thanks for having me. Yeah, stoked to be here. Yeah. So I know a little about you, and even that's a little. So for someone who might not know you, who maybe is interested in sort of the movement world, keeping active in general, healthy things, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Uh, okay. Where do I start? Um, I own a company called P Crawl Project. Um, it's really an umbrella term for everything that I offer. The primary thing that I offer is movement therapy and mobility training. Um, and I do that from a facility in Cape Town called Balance or the Balance Group. And then I offer natural movement classes, which is a bit of kind of natural parkour-ish, some tree climbing, some roughhouse playing, uh, break falling, that kind of thing. And then um, I also offer classes with Leela Kirsten, who's a mm. friend and colleague of mine, and those are called The Movement Project. And um, that's a combination of dance-ish kind of task-based contact improv meets a bit of yoga-esque qigong. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it all depends on where it is um, in the class, but those are quite systematic, the classes. They're broken down into sections. Mm. So the warm-up's very Qigong yoga-like, and then we move into a lot of contact um, and task-based work. Okay, awesome. So a couple of mentions of Qigong there. Why is it that Qigong has found its way into that kind of training that you've been developing with Lila? Sure. Um, with my personal yoga practice, Qigong just kind of started filtering in um, mm. over the years. So as I was practicing at home, I just find myself doing more Qigong-like movements. Um, mm. I think also having experienced a little bit of synergy yoga um, and then seeing shadow yoga, that also has a bit of martial kind of influence in it. I like the way it felt inside my body. It just kind of kept coming up. Uh, Leela, she's worked with um, a gentleman named Yesu Escalante. He's a um, martial artist and circus performer and choreographer. And, Based in um, Cape Town? Uh, no, he's in France now. Ah, yes. uh, but he was in Cape Town for a while. And uh, he was working at Zip Zap Circus. 
and uh, she did some qigong, some martial qigong with him as part of their preparation uh, when she was working with him on a um, production piece called Lucas. So yeah, they worked together for a while. Um, she influ uh, influenced me a bit with their sequence and then that kind of also filtered into my personal practice. And then I ended up doing a, a five-day Qigong kind of course. Mm. And then that's just now it's kind of filtered in and it just fits really nicely with what we're trying to do and what, with, with what we're trying to teach. Uh, for myself, there's some deeper implications just in terms of the breath, the breath to the movement, the way those two things match, and then also the timing and synchronicities of the movement. So the timing of joint movements when they open and close together, and then also the way that the fascia will be manipulated. That's amazing. Yeah, I've had experience with Qigong having done Kung Fu for a number of years. You'd get to a point where it was even a compulsory practice. And just a bit of insight, it has to do a lot with breathing techniques, slow movements, uh, somewhat practicing, I wouldn't say the manipulation of energy around you, but sort of the, the harnessing and the mm. targeting of the energy around you. Similar to what you'd see in sort of Tai Chi-like movements uh, can be used from meditation point of view. Mm. So I found it helps a lot just to have had that practice to bring a bit more focus to breath in mm. the training, which is super helpful. So I can see that's clearly a part of a lot of what you're sharing nowadays and the projects you're working with is a lot of internalization of things and working on the subtle understandings of such minute workings of your body. So I've noticed that as well. So great stuff, man. How did you get to this point? I mean, I could ask you, cool, what's your, <laughs> what's your story? Like, it is a movement thing. So give us your background and sort of how did you get to this point now? Um, so yeah, it has been quite a long journey. I think um, I grew up with just traditional South African sports, soccer, rugby, cricket. Played a, Scorpendorna. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Scorpendorna um, and uh, British Bulldogs. Uh, <laughs> just good old-fashioned roughhousing. But, um, you know, as I grew up in Johannesburg, there's quite a lot of lifting culture there. I got into just yeah. lifting weights and getting bigger for rugby. But I was always fascinated by dance and gymnasts and um, kaparistas and other martial arts. And um, I don't know, I just didn't ever think that that was for me, you know, and mm. I just kept getting big. And I just went over a sort of evolutionary process over time where eventually I was unhappy. I was unhappy with the way my body felt. I was actually quite young and I had uh, some chronic pain in my hip. So mm. I remember being about 21 and the symptoms I was getting, although I didn't actually go to a medical professional and get them assessed, it felt like arthritis. Mm. So if I threw a round kick, for example, I'd hit the bag, I'd get a sharp stabbing pain in my hip, I'd fall down on the floor, maybe cry, depending. <laughs> <laughs> Not the thing you wanted to do. Pick myself up. <laughs> I'm 21, I'm meant to be in my athletic prime, I'm not really happy. A couple cool. of years later, you know, I... Again, it just became a searching process. I started stretching more. I started searching for yoga. Um, I felt personally I was quite unhappy. I felt quite depressed. Um, mm. And I was searching. I, I got involved in a bit of Buddhism and meditation and just kept looking for a different way to apply myself. And then mm. I made a move down to Cape Town and 
that was it. I think I eventually found movement culture after about two or three years while down here. Uh, I found Ido Patel. Mm. Um, and then that led me to Rafe Kelly, Rafe Kelly with MoveNat. Um, eventually did a yoga teacher training, um, did the MoveNat training with you. Um, and then I went to Dublin two years ago and did my FRC certification. Two years ago already. Yeah. So, wow. yeah, we actually just had the first certification in the country in February this year. So as it was, when I got certified, I was the first FRC trainer in the country. And then um, now I think we've got 25 or 30 other, in which is great, in the country, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So explain brief, what is FRC? So FRC is functional range conditioning. It's a mobility protocol and a body control protocol, I think. It's really a thought process and it's a way of applying a certain set of scientific principles to obtaining greater ranges of motion or enhancing our control of the ranges that we already have. Um, okay. Yeah. I'd so it's what mobility and flexibility sort of kind of is supposed to be doing. Yes. It's often, <laughs> often misunderstood or seen as one modality or one way to go about it. Yeah, and I think it's also recognizing there's, a, there's no such thing as a mobility exercise as mm. such until you're specifically targeting where the mm. um, discrepancy is or where the shortfall is. So I can't have them, I can't just say to you, do roll through bridge for thoracic mobility. Mm. You might not be prepared to do something like a roll through bridge. That's a multi-joint movement. You might have a discrepancy in your you know, thoracic spine between 10 and 11. Mm. So if your issue has to do with one vertebral joint, why am I giving you an exercise that involves your whole spine? You're obviously going to compensate around mm. where the issue is. If I can find a way to isolate where the issue is and enhance your mobility and your function in that space, then I can start to progress you towards more integrated movements. Mm. Okay, cool. Yeah, because it seems like some things that you do to sort of see where someone is in the way that they move, it seems like from what I've seen of FRC, it has a pretty good sort of screening side to things. Or like you say, the, there's, a, there's a, a set way to go about seeing what the step is for the person, which is super helpful. So I found that when I've coached people or groups, whatever it is, you'll generally follow a sort of isolation integration approach to a new movement skill or totally. improving something. Totally. But then I found there's times where the only way that can work is to do it the other way around. You do a complex maneuver or something that requires a bit more than an isolation. And that will show either to the coach or the participant what they can specifically work on. Does, do you find that as well or do you generally feel like other approach is definitely more effective. So I would say there's, it, it kind of depends. Like the, it's just mm. one way of looking at it versus the other way. The FRC approach is more isolated. And what we'll do is not actually assess a pattern. So because compensation can occur in an infinite number of yeah. ways, it doesn't really benefit me trying mm. to assess your squat if you're, 
at the bottom of the squat, it doesn't look right to me, but I can't quite say why exactly yeah. it doesn't look right. I could use that, but then I need to break it down. What's in a squat? Well, there's an ankle, there's a knee, there's a hip, there's a lower back. Mm. So I can say, okay, what are the motions of the ankle? Eversion, inversion, dorsiflexion, plantar flexion. Okay, what do I need to squat? Pretty decent amount of dorsiflexion. What do I need in the knee? Pretty decent amount of flexion in the knee. Probably need some medial and lateral rotation in the knee as well. Mm. What do I need in the hip? Deep flexion. I also need the ability to generate torque, which is internal and external rotation. So if any number of these ranges of motion in isolation is inhibited or impacted, the whole squat's going to be impacted. Mm -hmm. So if I don't have dorsiflexion in my left ankle and every other joint is fine, my squat might look perfect but there's some way that I'm compensating for the fact that that left ankle doesn't have adequate dorsiflexion. Mm. Especially when something like a movement that is loaded exactly. helps to disguise that whole idea. Exactly. Yeah. So when we load the movement, then we're able to generate a bit more tension in the body. So we're able to brace and support ourselves a bit better. Mm. But again, we now disguise it because we've kind of given ourselves the illusion of alignment Mm. And we're trapped in the idea of what is the aesthetic of the movement? Does it look perfect? Mm. Where something like FRC goes, no, I just want to give you a series of options. I actually don't care if your squat looks like a squat at all. If your joints work like joints, squat exactly. the way squat is you, you squat. But your squat will fix the... itself, exactly. Yeah. So if your hips work like hips, your squat will be great, You know, for example. That's really cool. It's interesting because I found that a lot is how do we <laughs> how do we target this? Is kind of are you training to do this specific thing? And then do you know the reason? Or are you training to absorb the elements of that thing that you can use for a specific, let's say a squat, but you can also use that for so many other things. Exactly. So I've I've I found that explaining that a lot to people that I've worked with is kind of Definitely it's good to train these things, definitely better than sitting on the couch. But always question is sort of what is the goal? How did you get to that goal? Yes. And then sort of bringing light to the intention behind the movement. And then focus on things where you're either using or learning something that you can use in many ways as well as this way that you want it and then beyond that because that's going to give you so much more benefit today, next week, and then who knows what it can do for you in the future. Completely. So that's really cool. Completely. And I mean, for me, the whole body is designed on a series of variability. It needs options. We need options everywhere. So we can get better at one skill for the purpose of getting better at that skill, but then we might sacrifice a lot of options along the way mm. to achieving that skill. So maybe I become the master of that one skill that's all I'm ever going to be able to do. Whereas maybe I can give myself a whole series of options so that I can achieve that skill with a little bit less impact on my body. Maybe I won't be as specialist, but I might have more capacity elsewhere. Mm. It's like, are you a professional paid athlete? Are yes. you willing to sacrifice exactly. this thing to achieve this very specific outcome? Exactly. Or do you want to be able to walk? Exactly. When you're 80 yeah. or whatever it is. Okay, good.
So I find a lot of the time people will have this goal and they don't always know why or what what led them to that. So I'm willing to sort of shoot myself in the foot and take a step back and help someone understand a bit more about every aspect that there is to what your body is because it's an incredible machine, not even a machine, this biological gift that you've been given. What do you actually want to do with it? Yes, totally. So I'm not sure. <laughs> exactly. I, yeah, <laughs> like, who knows? I, I'm really not sure. For me, mm. I want to give myself the most amount of options possible. Um, mm. I, I have a visual in my mind of what freedom of movement looks like. And I have a conceptual understanding of what that means to me. But really, it all comes down to a greater degree of freedom and expressive capacity. So can I use this body to be capable? So am I of use? You know, can I lift things? Can I carry things? Can I, you know, get into positions that I need to? If I lock my keys out of my house, can I break in? You know, things like that. <laughs> um, but so then sure. also do I have expressive capacity in terms of dance or um, other mixed movement modalities? Can I get involved in a new art but somewhat be somewhat of a advanced beginner in a way so mm. can i pick things up quickly am i able to train my biology and my neurology in such a way that they're highly adaptable and they learn at a really quick pace that's really my goal is how can i speed up the rate of learning in the body exactly it's sort of teaching and learning how to be a better learner yeah so I've literally had the statement of someone saying to me, usually uh, an adult, I mean, kids are, kids will be kids. They'll usually jump into something or if they have an issue with doing something, it's a bit more in a raw form. And an adult will, I've heard the statements of, no, I can't do that. I'm not strong enough. Or I can't do that. I'm not fit enough. Totally. And the difference is doing it and not doing it. That's the one thing. But the the whole idea of when you do anything, and you are a bit more mindful about it, you are learning something that you can use in a new form of movement, new discipline, new sport, whatever. And you, you're becoming a better learner. And I can see that as well, having used myself as a guinea pig in so many different things. I'm so often the beginner in the class, but I have a very good foundation of strength and sort of understanding. My mobility is okay. So I can do most movements. So I find that I can pick things up way faster. Some of it obviously is sort of a natural propensity to do it. And everyone has varying degrees of physical IQ. But I can spot the people in, in the class who either they're there for a long time, they've gone through the trenches and worked through. And you, can, you have those some people who are in the same kind of place where because they do other things or they have done many other things, they can pick up things a lot faster. And then there's less chance that they hurt themselves there's more chance they enjoy it. There's more chance that they've used an element somewhere else in that class and vice versa. I mean, a great one is martial arts. I mean, it always helps to have something where the degrees of movement are three-dimensional and there's there's an element of focus. Yes. Or if I don't focus, something will go wrong. So that will force you to kind of really tap into the quality of the movement, the the thought process behind it. Yes. So that's such a rewarding thing for me to feel but especially also just to see in someone. 
and I'm lucky in that I kind of work with people one on one. You can kind of see like, I remember what your your single leg pistol squad looked like. Yes. Two months ago. Exactly. And maybe you can't see it now. I hope you can feel it now, but I can see that you just use that movement in this other thing we're doing. Yes. You just use it now. Yeah. And that's such an empowering thing. Yeah, seeing someone cross over and able to, mm. it's almost like transplanting a skill to a whole different context, right? So it's like they, it's suddenly that unconscious knowledge of, you know, they, they were completely incompetent. And then again, it's the unconscious competence now. And then hopefully they get to the point where they can't, completely consciously competent about the fact that they oh yes i am pistol squatting yeah yeah and they can start to kind of on purpose use something yes where you think it might be better yeah and then eventually one day you get to the unconscious competence which is just that's just also just allows a bit more expression a bit more intuition mm. so i feel like those two areas that conscious competence and unconscious competence i feel like they overlap quite a lot and like what you were just talking about now is suddenly you might see a client use a pistol squad in something they didn't realize they used it. Mm. You know, they were only consciously attempting a pistol squad in the pistol squad scenario. And then suddenly they've transplanted it somewhere else. Mm. But they weren't completely consciously competent of the skill in the first place, but they were able to unconsciously apply it somewhere else. Mm. But then sometimes we have the reverse where someone needs to become completely aware of the fact that they have the skill before they are ever able to transplant exactly. it or translate it to any other context. And I feel like sometimes those two areas kind of, uh, it's a bit gray, you know, it's a bit mishmashy. Um, there's not quite a, you're definitely in this compartment or in that compartment. Because I see people perform, and in my own body, you'll perform something and go, whoa, hold on, that felt so right. Mm. But I have no idea how I did it, right? <laughs> <laughs> happens all <laughs> you know, the time. <laughs> yeah, it happens with me when I dance with Leela. She'll go, yes, Rich. And I'll go, great. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thank Thanks, you. <laughs> fantastic. Just own it. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I'm like, that's not going to be recreated for at least another six months because <laughs> I don't have a clue, you know. Um, but yeah, it is interesting watching how the nervous system adapts and learns and if we can provide the right kind of circumstances or the right kind of stimulus in order for that learning to take place and i guess that's what mobility training is really about is how do we engage with the spaces in the body where movement takes place it's really that simple where does movement take place at the joints mm. so how can i optimize your joint functionality and your joint capacity not just in isolation, but also the way they work together in terms of timing and rhythm. And, you know, do you have enough torque production through a certain kind of motion? All of these things are very important for overall movement. Okay. So I found a lot, especially since getting much more into parkour training and always loving being outside, that a lot of the time, Let's say I'll be doing a simple climb. I was thinking in Newlands Forest, is Mike knows pretty well as well. There's this nice little section where the roots of the trees are exposed on the side of the bank. And you climb these things or you, you balance across a branch or something. Things like that. And then you'll be doing movements where 
it's the scenario that requires this movement and you may not necessarily have done this movement before and you probably couldn't necessarily replicate it unless you do that thing again. You can't necessarily take this thing that you just did and put it somewhere else. You probably could if you saw it and you did the same thing. But I found that sort of exposing yourself to a scenario where you have to problem solve yes, to either get somewhere or not fall or whatever yes. it is or just explore. Yes, I found that that kind of brings out the the natural library of movements that I have, even if I didn't see a scenario before where I had to do that. This yes. weird angle that you turn your arm plus plus extend your big toe to push off and it it just works. So I think that's another aspect of this whole sort of building your neural capacity either to specifically do a movement or to intuitively problem solve to suit the task that's required of you. Yes. So I found that for me, it's fairly obvious. I'll probably put myself out in nature or in an urban environment even where it's called upon me to perform a movement task, either just for fun or for just to be a bit more safe or to be able to practice a skill. Do you find that you do that for yourself as well? Or do you feel, especially when you coach someone, you mentioned that you had to have the right stimulus. Is it quite tricky to get the right stimulus in a sort of guided class or is it better to kind of try and expose yourself to a situation where it's asked of you to move in a way or problem solve? I feel, again, it just depends. It's always contextual with me because I do a lot of task-based focus also in the movement therapy stuff that I do, so either one-on-one and in the classes. Um, So we'll do a task that's maybe based on just different kinds of leaning or lunging patterns. So you might have something like a check mark that you need to touch. Mm. So then we can say, okay, your parameters are one foot needs to stay planted and you can't pivot the foot. The other foot needs to touch or reach towards these various markers. You know, can, how do you move towards those markers? That's suddenly a task. It doesn't really matter, mm. you know, how you got to your marker. Mm. I just want to see... It's like can presenting the challenge or exactly. the question how do you answer exactly so it's with your body how does your body you know create a framework for for the the completion of this task in the moment so you can use tasks to good effect in a very controlled environment mm. and then you can use them in a bit more of a chaotic environment like nature so with tree climbing for example i'll go okay the task is to make one full loop around the tree. So let's do a 360 around the tree. I don't care how you do the 360 around the tree. Mm -hmm. I just want your attempt to do it. So it all comes down to what did I see? What was available to me? Uh, What felt natural for my body when I achieved the task? It wasn't, I want you to go around the tree in this way. Mm -hmm. You need to hang this way or pull this way. Or It's more like, okay, we've looked at some fundamentals on technique and what works where. Now, how do you apply it? How does your body interpret the challenge? I found that's one of the, the nuances of coaching someone is you almost you very often have to say less and try to, in the hope of the person figuring it out, sort of empowering themselves, it helps to have a bit of a baseline having done a few things with the person or the people so that you can 
on purpose sort of from your side say this is the task or try this and then hopefully that person will be able to figure it out that's such a great thing to see rather than say like do this specific thing there's a time for that if someone really needs it or they need to or it's like the first time or they they're not used to tapping into that side of things and they need a bit of guidance yes. or even support, you know? Yes. Because these things can get very personal and they yes. can unlock so many things. I mean, I think you've experienced that more and more lately just for yourself and developing these projects you've been doing that people have different reactions to this guidance that you have. I think you mentioned some recently where like this person just had this emotional outlet and they were they've never really experienced that in that way is that kind of why you would be terming a sort of movement therapy is it kind of you're using movement as a therapy or is it a bit more complex than that so the way that i look at it it's it's physical therapy Mm. in a way but there is a deeper layer i don't i don't try to promote the deeper layer to anyone I just kind of let it take care of itself. So I'll have certain people that I work with where I'll receive a message later in the day or the next day about, oh my God, I can feel this now while I'm walking or, you know, suddenly this person is um, just doing different things that they weren't doing before. Suddenly she's riding her bike and she didn't ride a bike for weeks, you know, and it's just, there's a little change, there's little shifts. And then what you get is subtle emotional shifts that can happen as well. I'm not trying to mm. I'm not trying to achieve any emotional shifts, so to speak. I'm just uh, providing the movement. I'm looking at how the person approaches the movement um, from a psychological perspective as well. So some people can really intellectualize a process. And they really want to know, do I turn this on or this off or is this right or is that wrong? Give me a number. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it's more, okay, how do we step back and create a space of allowance and a bit of openness so that your body can, it can adapt to the process and you can let your nervous system kind of just be free to do what it does without trying to analyze and find meaning for everything that's going on. Mm. And just giving that little bit of space, I found, tends to bring up some stuff for people. And whether that be feelings of anxiety in some places or uh, emotional expressions, sometimes through crying or sounds, that's totally fine. And I've felt it in my own practice as well, is there's just... I'll be in a stretch and I'll start singing. I don't know why. <laughs> but, I, but, I, but I encourage it because I, I think I think there's a the body interprets information in a very interesting way. And this nervous system is integrated and mm. it's integrated into the body. And too often we compartmentalize the brain and the nervous system as separate parts. And we think, okay, the brain processes everything and the nervous system kind of controls the limbs and it's like this meat suit, you know, and it's not really that. I think the whole thing is processing the whole time. We get a whole bunch of feedback from our physical environment and that's how we evolved is through movement and engaging with the natural environment. So 
our learning is implicit. It happens inside the body. And I think there's certain ways that our nervous system just figures out how to deal with the stimulus. I don't know what it means, mm. but if there's an expression does. that needs to take place, okay, great. It's fantastic. It's you need happen. a shout right now, great. You're angry right now, great. You're sad right now, great. It's not a problem. We're going to keep going at this and maybe it changes, maybe it doesn't. It usually changes eventually. Nice. That's really powerful stuff. It's those things that keep us doing what we're doing, right? It's like there's, you'll have those times where you're questioning what you're doing or the tough times, whatever it is, but you, you are literally helping this person. You're either changing their lives or you're helping them change their lives, hopefully for the better. But you're, the more you can sort of create a space where they can tap into that in a safe way, the results that come from that in terms of the way that they think about themselves and the way that they view what's around them. That's powerful stuff. I mean, I mean, it's easy for us to talk about it. We've definitely experienced that. Yeah. I mean, most of the powerful memories I have, there was probably some physical thing involved. It was probably something out in the natural world. And it, it almost, I wouldn't say it defines you, but it, it shows you a bit more of yourself. Yes. And the more you get to understand yourself, relative to what, everything that's around you, the more you can interact with it in a way that is hopefully positive, hopefully you don't use it in a, in a negative way. But I found that, and it's another reason I enjoy doing parkour so much, is it's a very honest way of training. Yes. It's going to show you things about yourself and it's going to fo almost force you to, to deal with it. And you might as well deal with it because it's rather deal with it there than in a situation where you're stacked against other things or you're in an environment or a situation where you can't just let it go or work yes. with it. Yes. Um, so that's really interesting stuff. So with Leela, you're developing, um, is it an online course? That's your thing. Yeah. The online course online is course. my own thing. Yeah. And then is that sort of the same kind of work or is it more something else more specific to the mobility stuff yeah so the online course is it's almost like a tongue-in-cheek yoga teacher training in a way okay it's um it's built kind of like a yoga teacher training but it's movement therapy and mobility mostly and some task-based movement and that's the way i've kind of tried to design it is so that it can be an applied uh, anatomy and physiology course so people can okay. learn more about the body but through practical tasks so there is some theory and I've done some presentations so I've actually got anatomy presentations and then I've also got audio files that you can listen to but then we've also got downloadable exercises so people can move through the exercises to better understand the concepts that I'm talking about in the theoretical po portions of the course but then I backed it with the um, philosophical framework of hermeticism and yeah. alchemy. <laughs> I love reading your, your write-ups there. So, um, <laughs> it's pretty epic stuff. Yeah, that was my, my thinking was, you know, okay, um, I'm quite interested in, in the history of m most things really. I, I, 
I'm like a closet history geek. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm quite interested in, in, in the history of uh, anatomy and anatomical study. Uh, cool. as well as the whole process because it gives you a little bit of a, the philosophical framework for where it came about or came from. And there's actually a lot of connection with hermeticism and alchemical thinking. Sure. And I found that quite interesting. So I moved into the history of that as well. And that just kind of got me linking them together and also realizing how hermeticism and alchemy had actually influenced other practices including qigong so there were Taoist monks that had a process of alchemy where they were trying to find what they called the inner elixir which was inner qi and Mm -hmm. the outer elixir and that would have been something called the prima materia which is the the base material the first material Um, they search for that and then they search for the elixir of life which is the philosopher's stone so they want to try and achieve both can they manipulate base substances or matter and change what it is and then can you do the same inside yourself and the idea is that you have to be able to do it inside first before you can do it on the matter so and until you've purified yourself how are you going to purify copper into gold sure no that's an a great coincidental <laughs> way of thinking about yeah. <laughs> yes, biology. Yes. Sure, that's amazing. Has that research or the draw to that history taken you to the source of these things? Sort of, I would the first thing I would think of is sort of maybe the older philosophies in Greek history. Definitely some of the the far eastern influences there as well. Have you been able to, I don't know, uh, find out more from someone here or? encourage you to travel or? about about alchemy yeah alchemy. so it's taken quite a big turn it's quite an old um mm. practice you know and from what i understand Just is think of skyrim and <laughs> <laughs> so from what i understand is uh it's based on hermes trismegistus and we're not going to get too much into that but it was mostly practiced around the year zero you know, so zero AD, it's, it comes from Alexandria and Egypt. That was like the main mm-hmm. kind of area was practiced. Um, from what we understand, it's an amalgamation of two separate cultures. So it's Egyptian spiritual science as well as um, Greek philosophical thinking. So when Alexander the Great moved into Egypt, uh, I think this is around uh, 300 BC sort of time, Um, you got the amalgamation of those two cultures. And what they did was they basically just combined uh, the deities of Hermes and Thoth. So it was the Egyptian Thoth and the Greek Hermes. And they were very similar. And they created Hermes Trismegistus, you know, so this mythological figure who was essentially the amalgamation of both. And Hermes is the patron of sports and athletes and created boxing and racing and you know he's also arbitrator of the dead and Thoth is the word of God and he was literary and scientist and artist and so it's these kind of bringing together the two thought processes and that's where they created hermeticism from it was a scientific focused philosophy that tried to provide an explanation for spirituality, from what I understand. 
this just makes you make much more sense to me now. <laughs> every, everything you ever talk about, all the things you do, like the way you, you move about, and <laughs> I'm like, oh. You get it now. Cheat. Yeah. Connection. Yeah. That's amazing. Sure. So you're like literally living the way that you've like researched the stuff as well and the knowledge you've gained. Yeah. And so putting skin in the game and using it, like you said, applied. Applied, yeah. Which is a very big difference. Sure. Yes. Sure. I'm just going to take a moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for me, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting because it's really just a thought process and it's a way that a lot of people lived and some people still practice alchemy today, mm. you know, but it's more associated with Gnosticism and the kind of uh, Christian mysticism that eventually developed in the Middle Ages. So the stuff that you would see practiced in Sweden in the 1600s is more like what's practiced now, mm. um, which is not necessarily, you know, what it was traditionally. But it's really just a thought process is these ideas, you know, is how can I, how can I kind of break down my human experience into a set of concepts that can help me kind of compartmentalize the experience so that I can almost understand it in a way, mm. you know. So I don't need to completely understand it. But if I do want to gain some sort of knowledge of what's going on here, I need to come up with a series of concepts. I need to mm. hypothesize. And then that's where application comes in, right? Because hypothesis is essentially just imagination, but application is reality. Mm. So it's like, where can I, how can I make those two worlds meet? You know, where do they meet? And where is it true and where is it false? And the only way I get to understand where it is true or false is through experience. Sure. It's very true. And there's so many aspects to that as well. It's kind of giving yourself a way to deal with something that will allow you to keep dealing with it. And then you can go as deep as you feel you need to or you want to for whatever reason. Either you specifically want to use it for something or it's just a, a manner of discovering who you are or what something is. And um, there's also this kind of thing, a quote I saw recently where it's, if you think about something without doing it, you still haven't done it, which is kind of an interesting take. It's very arguable, I'm sure, but that there is a massive difference between doing the thing because the way that you think and then the way that your body interacts with what's around and the way they interact with each other, it is a constant loop. It's a constant feedback mechanism. Totally. And as much as, yes, your brain is the box, your central nervous system is sort of the dictator in a way, there's no denying the, the feedback you get through that sensory input from your body. And when you develop those things parallel, it really ingrains mm. whatever it is you're going for. You might not even know what it is you're going for, but just doing it is the, the best way to actually learn or develop these skills or develop this manner of thinking. And then before you know it, it's just normal for you to think like this yes. and interact with another person that way or the way that you approach a problem. It's quite cool. That's really good stuff, Rich. Good. I'm that, glad you like it. That coffee, Mike. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have that before Mike's coffee. <laughs> yeah, we all work in, walked in pretty 
tired looking for various reasons. <laughs> yeah, we are. Max still looks tired. Yeah. <laughs> Richard's woke. <laughs> cool stuff, man. So, yeah, I mean, there's the great thing about knowing you for a couple of years is I kind of feel like you're within reach and it's don't know why we haven't hung out more and we should, but the idea of it's an ongoing process that we're working with kind of helping people to understand themselves a bit better, tapping more into different mindsets, using that to move more and whatever comes from that is really powerful stuff. So it's kind of, it's really cool to know that I'm definitely going to speak to you again. Um, but I know that the thing you're currently focusing on is the the classes you're doing with Leela. Yes. As well as obviously your, your private coaching and things like that. Yes. So can you tell us a little bit more? I mean, what you're doing with Leela is it's running for a few months now. Yes. Yeah, so we've actually just had the first class. Mm. Um, we're going to be doing one class a week on Tuesday evenings. And then once a month, we'll run a three-hour intensive practice. And the intensive practice will essentially just be a workshop. We will actually break down and detail more of the concepts, you know. Mm -hmm. So right now, you get a Tuesday evening, you get an hour and a half class where it's just practical application of the, the concepts. But on the monthly intensive, you'll get a bit more of the why and a bit more detail and, you know, exactly what we're looking for. Um, the program, the way we're designing it is supposed to be spread out over a year. Uh, and it will happen in three-month increments. So it's a, it's a systematized and programmed approach to a mixed movement class. So mm. we feel like it's something that hasn't really been done. Um, typically, when people go to a movement class or a dance class, it's kind of random. Mm. You know, it's like yes. there's no real structured development. It's okay, cool, we're going to work on these techniques this week. Take from this, take But from next that. week, we're going to work on a bunch of different techniques. And then we're going to work on another bunch of different techniques. And, you know, for the, for the part-timer, that's not great. And for the newcomer, that's not great. They need consistent exposure. So they need variability, but they need specificity as well. So how do I keep giving them similar exposure and keep it interesting and keep it varied? So that's really our idea is, okay, how can we create something that's very accessible to a lot of people um, so that we can develop them over a series of time, in this case, three months, is that's block one. Block one should set you up for block two. Block two should set you up for block three and for block four. And that's really the way we want to go is because at the end of the year, I don't want you to still be kind of flapping around like a fish out of water on the floor. I want you to move smooth. I want you to understand where the foot goes, where the hand goes. But implicitly, I want your body to understand through sensation. I don't want you to keep having to think about, you know, prodding around mm. and placement or things like that. And I also want you to get strong. I want you to improve your mobility. So all of these things are really important to me, but how can we apply that to a group class setting that is also going to help us develop a certain type of attention and awareness? Um, awareness of the breath is going to help us root, is going to help us you know, relax and just become, I, I guess, in a way, a 
better human in a way for yes. lack of a better term, but Always that's the goal, really yeah. the, the focus is how do we, how do we get the most out of this experience? And, you know, for me, it's like, okay, the way I get the most out of this experience is by giving myself as many opportunities as possible. So I have to create a framework in order for those opportunities to exist. You know, if I don't have a good foundation, it doesn't matter how many opportunities come my way, I'm always going to miss them or they're going to overwhelm me. So how can I create a certain standard um, for people that are looking for something a bit more, a bit more expressive, but also want to kind of move into maybe into that emotional layer a little bit and like really feel into the body and kind of let go of the thinking, let go of the intellectualized process and move more into feeling, um, more into a bit of challenge. Don't think, feel. <laughs> Don't think, feel, exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Bruce, once again. Yeah. I'm going to ask this question and I'll just give a bit of an insight as to why I'm asking it. The question is, have you had a pretty good response? Have people been keen to sign up to this kind of training, guided training, let's call it that? Because what I've noticed, especially doing things that's, let's say, not as well known, people kind of feel they have to take a chance. So obviously people who know me, who have trained with me, will be more likely to say, cool, I'll come do this thing you're doing. But I found there's there's quite a, there's a gap between, let's just say, the sheer mass of people interested in actually trying it or willing to put the time that they have into this rather than something else. So I've even had in the past some frustrating moments where you've got this amazing concept and you kind of, there's probably things you can do to better promote it and get it out there and educate people in the first place to be open to trying it. But um, I found like people generally won't always be willing to try something like this or if they do it's very little or they'll kind of get into their own head sometimes and be like, I don't think it's for me. And it's like, oh, I don't think of myself as this yes. way of moving. Yes. Have you found that with this or with other things in the past? That's, or how do you get I found it? it in the past plenty. Um, mm. Time will tell how this goes. We've had a pretty good, um, we've had pretty good turnout for our first class and we got really good feedback as well. Um, you know, a bunch of people bought a, we, we sell four classes at a time. You can buy four classes at a time or do a drop-in. You know, a bunch of people committed up front, which is great. Um, I think people are kind of looking for something that can be similar enough to mm. what they do so that it feels safe. And I kind of feel like we've might, I wouldn't say we've got it waxed. Mm. I think we've got something here with these classes that provide something similar enough there's if you do yoga there's a yoga aspect mm. and the movement is slow enough so that you don't get caught out or feel discombobulated by the coordinations or things like mm. that if you want to get stronger there's something there for you as well you know um and i think that's always been my challenge in the past with some especially in a country or a city where it's still quite new Movement culture is very new. I mean, we did our MoveNet four or five years ago. You know, yeah. it took a few years before I could get three people into an outdoor class. It was yeah. <laughs> still incredible, working on that, you know, yeah. but I could still get 30 people into a yoga class. Yeah. So it's just about where, 
what do people feel is is safe or accessible for them you know mm. like how can how can we meet them a bit more where they're at because yeah. we we've essentially it's we're right on the fringe it's okay cool hey guy you usually go to vinyasa yoga two, twice a week and you do two classes of bikram why don't you come climb trees with me <laughs> like uh, no no nah, i want to hold balancing stick pose for 60 seconds in 42 degrees heat that's what i want to do i don't want to climb the trees yeah. exactly what a weirdo. you know so i think um we need to find a way to to provide accessibility for people um you know there's always going to be the person that's kind of in front of the wave so to speak you know and you can see it like that or like you're ahead of the pack, right? Mm. And there, it just, it is that way is when you get exposed to something before everyone else, you're the person trying to get everyone into yeah. it. And that conversion process is usually slow and it can be tedious. Um, I don't like to make any assumptions of what will or won't happen. Mm. I think what we're offering is really powerful. Um, and what we're offering is something we practice. So we, you know, we meet together every week and we practice as well as offering the classes. So it's our own personal research that we're offering out to people. It's not, it's not a, a made-up class. Mm. You know, I'm not just getting you in there so you can go, okay, cool, we want to get the best workout. There's a point and a purpose to everything that we're doing. You know, the the concepts are there. There's a again, a philosophical framework for everything that we're doing rather than, okay, cool, we're going to get our pump or we're going to get yeah. our burn. It's, or... not, it's not for the trend. It's, it's exactly. almost the opposite. You kind of, actually, we, we have all these things that we can do already. Yes. Let's unlock that. It's yes. not a thing we're adding to something. Yes, there's additions in terms of maybe how you'll go about it. Yes. Maybe a few progressions in the art or the, the discipline overall but it's kind of it's not trying to be a phase or anything it's it's yes. almost the opposite of that it's, it's it's working on the process not the the end result exactly i think we're in an interesting space actually as you as you said that about the art is i feel like we're in a really interesting space where we've kind of got an artistic movement minded kind of process overlapping with this fitness minded mm movement practice and process you know so we're trying to take something that's really kind of abstract and creative and superimpose it into the fitness industry yeah. which is a little bit crazy <laughs> if you beeps, think about yeah. it yeah it's like how do well how do you even do that you know and so i think for us now is like actually not trying to fit into the fitness industry at all and just going this is what we're offering um and for us it's we want people that actually want to feel better and move better and feel more capable. Mm. I don't want you to come in just to get your workout kick. Mm. That, you know, go for a run. Do like that's fine. Do that. This is something else. It's we're we're focused here. Mm. It's found that a lot, obviously dealing with lots of different people is kind of there's a few things that will always be very popular. And a few things that will always excite you. And a lot of the times I'm training someone, I'm, I'm encouraging them, cool, definitely do that thing. I want you to do what you enjoy. 
And we need to do a few more things like this. Let's say slower movements. Let's say a bit more focus on articulating joints so that you can do that thing you want to do more even if you if that's what your intention is exactly and it's not necessarily i'm not stacking a new thing on you i'm helping you self-regulate yes helping you improve your own skills and become a better decision maker so you can do the thing you're doing a lot of or decide okay if i if i do less of this is that a better decision right now do i want this to be my last marathon or do i want to do more exactly that kind of idea so you're right in the fitness industry i mean i'm i'm pretty much in it i'm not gonna gonna lie i've kind of sabbath like infiltrated <laughs> jumped out infiltrated every you're just like, it a, feels like a, a gorilla yeah <laughs> <laughs> Got the paint here. <laughs> I, it's in one way it kind of it's a good place to be because i can make a lot of change in the way that people approach things but also in a way it's kind of like oh my gosh i'm just helping the system here which in itself is not even evil or bad anything Mm. can be overdone anything can be exploited um so just exposing people unashamedly to these concepts and these these ways of getting to know yourself that's been something very helpful for me to keep me sort of on that wave Mm. and to be willing to make the sacrifices every now and then to be ahead of the curve even though i'm not really and that's just the fascinating thing about this country, this city, sort of what we do. There's so much of it out there in raw form, in learned form, textbook form, sort of guru form, whatever you want to call it. Um, And it's kind of the more I learn about something, the more I'm drawn to go in a certain direction, find more information, try it out. And I feel like that's helped me a lot. And I I find people get stuck in they're almost like they feel trapped in a way, whether it's unconscious. They're like, I need to do this thing because ah, uh, whatever reason, performance output or I only have this time. But I felt for me that if I just show up and be willing to play, be willing to be a little bit more curious and fail, doesn't really matter. That's one of the whole ideas of just move. It's kind of doesn't really matter what you're doing just just move just go just do it and then if something let's say you've been running a lot and you're developing injuries from it being willing to ask yourself the necessary questions or almost make yourself do something else to offset potential damage yes in the future yes and Thinking like that for many people is not really normal. It's kind of, if I don't do this thing, I failed, or I don't even know, I'm still finding out these things from people. It's kind of, it's okay to not do a personal best every month or to not fall into the habit of the power of obligation. You know, oh, my friends are doing this thing. I'm just going to do it. Fine. Maybe you'll be fine. You'll have fun. But to be strong enough, confident enough, and willing enough to expose yourself to thinking, I will and I won't do this, or this is why, or if I'm going to do this thing, I have the skills and the practice and the thinking to be, okay, I'm going to work on this aspect of my movement or my fitness, so that when I go do that thing, I get more out of it than just one thing. 
Yes. Whatever that reason is. Totally. And it's also, you know, how can I take this thing and make it beneficial versus something that might break me down? Mm. You know, so I might want to do an Ironman, for example. Do I break myself to get to the Ironman so that when I compete at the Ironman, I'm broken? <laughs> and then when I come out of the Ironman, I'm so broken that I can't train again for another year, for mm. example. Mm. Right? Or would I rather say, okay, th that's a hypothetical goal for now. What processes can I put in place that would most benefit me towards obtaining that goal? Options. Right? Exactly. Mm. Options. So, you know, it's it's more than just swim more, run more, cycle more. Yeah, that's pretty that obvious, might, right? Yeah, that's obvious. That's mm. what you're going to have to do anyway. Mm. But what are the smaller details? You know, and um, that's what a lot of people don't realize with the high professional, or, yeah. you know, professional sports sure. people. When you it's look at the top yeah. of the top, they're doing all sorts of very interesting things to try and get that edge. Mm. Um, I don't know if you've seen on YouTube, there's a video, Adam Andra, rock climber. Mm. He does a climb called Silence. And he works on this climb for a couple of years. But the work that he does with his physiotherapist is mm. what I found so fascinating. Is awesome. His physiotherapist has him lying on his back, pressing his, you know, the therapist is pressing his finger against Adam's foot and making him do these torsions with his body. You know, so he's working these very fine, acute mm. angles in very weird positions, but it's off of the wall, you know. Yeah. It's very specific. This is the area where you don't have enough reach or you can't produce enough force. So what are we going to do? We're going to work on that one area. Mm. You know, and when it comes to jumping back to like a something like a Ironman, it's pretty one-dimensional in terms of movement planes. You know, mm. you're going forward. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're not covering really, a distance. Yeah. You're not really twisting and doing yeah. too too much. You you're pretty much going forward the whole time <laughs> yeah, aside for when you have to sidestep something <laughs> on the road or, you don't catch you know. a fall or something yeah so so how do we yeah how do we better uh program for for the for the potentials you know because there's there's a whole series of potentials around that there's um what's the word i'm i'm looking for is really it's it's just what are the options you know what? Are, what are my options in terms of movement? But what could happen, and how do mm. I, how do I prepare for what could happen? You know, so it's more than just can I pedal fast? Does my shit work mm. nice? To quote Doctor Andrea Spinoza, <laughs> "Does your shit work nice? Your really? Shit work nice. <laughs> exactly. The doctors, go ahead. Well, that's it. It's <laughs> like if I I need all of these things." You know, I need my hips and my knees and my ankles and my spine and my shoulders and my elbows and my wrists. So if I don't have elbows and shoulders, so to speak, should I be swimming long distances trying to improve my time for an Ironman or should I go and fix my shoulders? It seems like a no-brainer to me. Mm. I fix my shoulders first. Up, right? <laughs> <laughs> make sure that the shoulders are healthy then start the swimming process. While you're going through that process, keep coming back and making sure that the shoulders are healthy and, no, and making sure that your training isn't insulting your joints. It's really that simple. 
So from the FRC perspective, it would be movements are trained or rather joints are trained and movements are practiced. And that's the idea is I'm going to train your joint to be a joint so you can practice any movement you want. Mm-hmm. We've also got a great example. Currently, I'm training a, a master's distance swimmer. Sturdy guy, really awesome, positive attitude, strong, swims pretty well. He's never done things, training, where he's thinking about his posture. And in the water, he'll obviously work on stroke correction and overall efficiency of movement, things like that, definitely. That's, he's got that down. But kind of either specifically in the water, some drills or on dry land, he's never really practiced these things of glute activation and pelvic tilting, simple things like that. And that's not even as deep necessarily as a joint articulation. But never done myofascial release except maybe the odd massage. You know, it's kind of a maybe an old school just do what you're going to do, which is also great. The nice thing is he's very fit and strong to do the task. And so improving the little things mm. outside of that literally will help him to be in better positions in the water and that will help him doing what he wants to do as well. And it's just a fascinating thing that I'm able to help this person in that way with very little. Yes. And it makes such a big difference to what they've done for so long already. So it's just incredible stuff. I've also thought as you were talking about the whole concept of someone, either they do something for a long time or they start doing it and they really like it. They, they start this new sport or whatever it is and they, they start to dive headfirst into it. And this concept of defining yourself as that thing or identifying what you do as that thing. Have you had that experience for yourself or do you see people where that happens? I think for myself, I'm the kind of person that will dive into something and kind of notice how I could identify with it and then absorb the culture. Mm. For example, capoeira. It's like it's really easy to become a capoeirista in terms of feeling. It's so welcoming. It's great. You know, it's like you can absorb the energy (laughs) and and identify with it and then suddenly you are a capoeirista, you know. It's because it's very... It's it's uh, it's entrancing, you know. It really mm. captures you and pulls you in. Um, and I do I do see with myself the tendency to want to associate sometimes and identify. Um, also, like a sense of belonging is like, Absolutely. okay, this becomes my tribe now. Mm. I don't have to look for a tribe elsewhere. I don't have to feel lost anymore because this becomes my tribe. And then, personally. I'm more of a pack rat, so I stay there for a while and then I kind of, you know, I do capoeira and I do jiu-jitsu and I do dance and I Mm. do this thing. And so then I never really spend so much time becoming that one thing. But then if I find certain clients, for example, they identify with being a rower Mm. or being a swimmer or being a cyclist or being a crossfitter, like that is what I do. And, you know, sometimes it becomes difficult when you're working with someone where what they're doing is 
potentially doing harm to them? Mm-hmm. And then how can we get them to even just take a break? Not even stop, but just take a break. And sometimes that's really difficult. It's like, how do I like tell the person yeah. that their their way of coping is running, for example? It's like, that's how they regulate. Mm. How do I say to you, you don't run? Do this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, just uh... don't run. I don't know how long. <laughs> I, can't, I can't give you an exact time frame. <laughs> Sweep the rug from under <laughs> but, Yeah, you know, so you end up inventing arbitrary numbers just to see if you can get someone to commit to something sometimes you know i'll say to someone okay can you commit to a week yeah i can commit to a week okay cool in that week i want you to do this this and this i'm going to check in with you at the end of the week and see how you're feeling oh you're not feeling good would you be willing to do another week without running you know, suddenly, <laughs> suddenly the eggshells. Yeah, you like. can feel the the ice getting thinner. You know, <laughs> and the, yeah, it's just a process. You've got to keep trying to meet people where they're at, and I guess that's the role of the coach. Is you know, you've got to keep stepping into that uncomfortable uh, mm. position of going like, I want what's best for you. Essentially, that's really what I want. I, mm. I want you to feel your best. I don't want to uh, punish you for what you do. You know, you Mm. love running. I want you to run more. You love doing 30 clean and jerks for time. That's beautiful. I Mm. support you. But how can I give you the best possible, um, I don't know, option for success in the long run? Mm. You know, I, I don't care if you ever make it to the CrossFit Games or win. Like, I want you to, but that's not my role as a coach. My role as a coach is to make your body feel better. So that's what I'm going to focus on. And if it means that you need to not do clean and jerks or deadlifts or run, mm. can we take some time off? It's difficult though. You got to keep yeah. chipping away. And like I said, arbitrary numbers. A week here maybe, a week there maybe. Some people are more inclined to let go than others. It all depends on how much they identify mm. with their role in that given sport or um, practice. Absolutely. I mean, I don't really get to a point where I'm saying this to the client, but it's constantly reminding myself. And then within the sessions, when it comes to the training we're doing, it's like, I, I remember your goals when we, when we met or when we started training, whatever it is. I'm definitely still for those things unless they've changed it along the way. So everything that I'm doing with you, is keeping those goals in mind. Yes. Even if it doesn't seem like it's directly related to Yes. It. So it's kind of that whole, some people just aren't ready for it. Some people yes. don't want, don't really want what they want. Yeah. It's like that Henry Ford quote. It's like, if I asked people what they wanted, they would have wanted faster horses. Yes. So it's kind of like, you have to take it on your, as a coach sometimes to take the hit, mm. to take that chance and, try and educate them, try and help them in that way. It doesn't always work out. No. It's cool. And we're often looking for what, I guess, what people need versus what they want. Mm. You know, so um, people sometimes don't realize that the path is going to still get them to the destination, you know, because they're so fixated on the destination. This is what I want. So I need to do things that kind of mimic that until I achieve it. Mm. But without realizing that there's actually a lot that goes into that whole process. The journey is long and the path isn't one directional, actually. 
you know, mm. it's all over the place. And uh, I see it a lot with jiu-jitsu guys, for example, is they're probably the worst fighters and jiu-jitsu guys is they just won't take a break. <laughs> like, yeah, I can imagine that's like obsessive. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, on one hand, I have the utmost, um, I guess, respect for the fact that they can push through certain levels of pain or discomfort that they do. But on the other hand, at what cost? Mm. Like, what was, is your, again, like you were going back to a point um, earlier, is are you a professional athlete? Is your goal to become ADCC champion? Mm. You know, if it is, and even if it is, <laughs> yeah, even if, if it you is. don't have a shoulder that works like a shoulder, it's probably good to take a break and just rework your training in a different way. And I can tell you, it's very difficult to get these guys not to do sparring. Yeah, I'm like just don't it's spar. That, you know, or, yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, or I'll say, okay, can you work on? leg attacks if you've got a shoulder injury can we can we get you just drilling leg attacks mm. so then at least you're you know or can you do them on the opposite side so you're doing something you're working certain concepts can you drill certain uh certain positions but just drill the positions really lightly just go through the motions you don't mm. have to give it up yeah nothing's wasted but, exactly but you you can't be of this mindset that and it's quite an old school mindset is push harder um you know don't be so weak yeah. kind of thing don't be a pansy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly you know, so it, it's all of that stuff it's like you've you you know don't you don't be soft mm. really and i, th I think we kind of need to move out of that mindset and start working towards like how do i respect my body signaling and how do i listen to it and formulate a and cultivate a relationship mm. with my body and do what is essentially what it's asking me for, what it really needs versus what I want. Mm. Mm. Sure, I agree. Such a process. It's also fun. It is fun. <laughs> <laughs> like tapping in, unlock there. Um, awesome stuff. I got to ask you some questions uh, so we have a bit more of your wisdom for anyone who might listen to this. It's your classic ones. But I'll start with this one. In the past 12 months, more or less, have you, let's say from a movement perspective, have you learned anything new or you've learned something that you found, okay, this has now shifted my focus a bit? Completely. Like yeah. Every day. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was almost popped out morning. of my head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah completely. I mean... Um, you said 12 months. I mean, you know, earlier this year, we we had movement immersion, which was a nine-day experience. Mm. Leela, myself, Dave Gardner, and then we had Tom Wexler come over from yes. Israel with his um, with his partner, Rosa Tutusos, and they did a presentation. Just working with Tom was mm. completely revolutionary for me. You know, um, so... Yes, definitely. And then also within my own practice, there's certain tools and principles that I was just playing with that I just found really opened up my mind to a completely different state of awareness mm. in my body. Um, so, yeah, definitely all the time, you know, the, the stuff I work on with Leela all the time. 
um, the dance stuff for me is something that really gets to me. You know, it's I spent so much time lifting weights and playing rugby and then doing CrossFit. And I still am learning maybe advanced coordination or how to let go. That's another thing. You know, it's really easy for me to go to outside into nature and roll and climb trees and do mm-hmm. jiu-jitsu or do capoeira. But, you know, if you need me to do something that's a bit more like contemporary dance, mm. it's very difficult. It's like, yeah. how do I soften? Yes, exactly. Ooh, like, it's like, okay. That's an, cool. that's an interesting process. Like, am I comfortable enough within myself to be vulnerable enough to be soft? Mm. You know, and so it's like these questions. You start going, okay, am I comfortable being vulnerable? Oh, okay, fuck. Apparently not. I thought I was okay. <laughs> you know, so the, these things come up all the time. Um, and so this yeah. isn't even like if people are watching. That's a whole nother. Exactly. Sure. It's just what I'm feeling inside my body. Yeah. You know, um, and that's the kind of practice that I like. I like a practice that um, makes me question myself actually at a fundamental level. I want to kind of be shaken a little bit. Mm. I want to come out of something and go like, oh, like I, I really need to consider my path or my process here or mm. I need to take a different viewpoint or yeah, I, I want that practice that challenges me, not just physically but also emotionally. Well, it sounds like uh, you'll definitely join me on some parkour sessions then. Absolutely. Great, yeah, because... Sprinting at stuff scares the crap. <laughs> when I do As park, it should. yeah, when I do parkour, it's so like soft and relaxed, and I do some vaults, and it's more like expressive, like it's rail dancing play. With and, objects, right? Yeah, I love that, right? That's exactly. But it. then when I start getting to the sprinting and stuff, I'm like fifty percent pace, homeboy. <laughs> I want to be able to do this again. Yeah. <laughs> We're slowing it down. That's the beautiful complexity of it as well, which yeah. is also part of the reason I enjoy coaching. It's because it isn't actually one thing. No, it will. It's a lot of many different things. Yes. And like other stuff, everyone will approach it differently or have their own style or their own reason for doing it. Or if they didn't know what the reason was, it will probably show up. Yes. Or it will show you how you take it from there onwards. Because everyone has done parkour to some degree. Yeah. Just a lot of people don't anymore. And the way you say that, you, you even do these things anyway. You're exploring what's around you. You're moving with objects. And it's, you said it's like softer and it's more like that. Mm. That's how you do it. That's the way it is. In fact, yes. that's what I have to try and get more people to be like. So it's just fascinating to see what it brings out, which is really cool. So definitely going to have some sessions with you. Cool. The other thing is I can't believe I haven't met Leela yet. I don't think I've met Leela yet. I'm sad to see, that's got to happen. <laughs> um, speaking of meeting people, like taking notes yeah. like Tuesday, which which draws me also. Uh, speaking of meeting people and different people and different teachers, uh, moving humans this past year, I was lucky enough to be one of the the facilitators there, which is really great, very exciting stuff, I and mean, that kind of stuff that we'd love to see happening more. Can if you're at liberty, tell us a little bit more, obviously, about the one in the past, but there's another one happening next year. Super excited. Very Can you tell excited. us a little more about that? Sure. Um, so firstly, Moving Humans is a two-day convention, 
and we see it as a festival of movement. So mm. it's really just a celebration of word, human yeah. movement. Exactly. So it's all of the strange ways that we like to express ourselves. So Marissa Dana, she's a local acro yoga teacher. Um, she's been to various acro festivals around the world and other movement style festivals. And it's actually her brainchild. Mm. And um, she approached me in 2018 just to teach a mobility workshop. And I remember getting there and going, oh man, I really want to be involved. <laughs> like setting <laughs> yeah, this up. It's like it, super like, cool. Oh, it's exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then she approached me for 2019 um, with uh, another friend of hers, uh, Donna Kosoglu, who owns uh, Odd Wheel Unicycle. Um, so she's a unicycle enthusiast, which is just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so the three of us got together to put together to put the 2019 Moving Humans together. And that's where we found Camps Bay High School in Cape Town. And yeah, it's it's really, it's 20 odd workshops over the weekend. Uh, you can buy a day pass or a weekend pass. And you can, as a, I don't know, you got four four workshops in any yeah, given session. Absolutely. You know, so the hardest thing for me, even as a presenter or whatever, is choosing which thing you're going to do. Yes. That's a good problem. Exactly, right. So, um, would, and that's exactly what we want. We wanted people to be, you know, in that position where they were going, oh my gosh, like, what do I do? How do I choose between this or that? That's kind of what we want in a way. But we also want a lot of diversity. So mm. we've had all sorts of things from yoga to slackline yoga, to slacklining, to tricking, to acro yoga, to mobility, to play fighting, juggling, to yeah. juggling, Everything exactly, to eurythmy, to African dance, to Chinese martial arts, uh, Tai Chi, all sorts of things, uh, mm. human pyramids. Yeah. Um, so yeah, re- you know, really fun kind of out there things, unicycling, exactly. You know, S- so slackline <laughs> unicycling, what? Yeah, slackline <laughs> slack unicycling. I think that's where we're going for 2020. <laughs> so 2020 will be at Campsbury High School again. It's a great location. Um, it's a great location. You can literally go down, have a swim in the Atlantic Ocean Which is in the I'm morning dead. or halfway through the day or at the end of the day. At any point, the you know, the ocean's right there. You got that incredible view of Table Mountain and the Twelve Apostles. Yeah, big open you, field. Yeah, big open field. It's um, a beautiful time of year. It's end of February. And yeah, so again, we're just looking for a really diverse offering. Um, we're taking workshop submissions at the moment. So if you know Send any through, budding yeah. movement teachers um, <laughs> that <laughs> want to share their skills and uh, share their passion with us, you know, that's what we're looking for is people that are really passionate. Um, and I always feel like if someone has a deeper understanding of the, the philosophy behind the, the why, mm. why they do what they do, you know, you can really see it and it can really tell. And um, that's kind of what we want to someone that can share a bit of their love and their mm-hmm. passion and a bit of their soul with the people there. Because um, it is, it's a festival, it's a celebration. You know, exactly, we, we yeah. really want to feel the love um, that is movement and human expression. Um, so that's it, Moving Humans. It's 29th of February and the 1st of March, oh, 2020. Mm-hmm. It is leap year. Human pyramid engagement. <laughs> it's quite funny that when you mention the location and popping down to the beach, that day that I was giving my workshop, that's exactly what I did. I did a workshop or two, 
popped down. There was a capoeira roda happening at Camps Bay. Jumped into the sea. Awesome. Came up, did the workshop, did another one. Went back to it. It was such a, a tiring, challenging, and amazing weekend. And it's the kind of thing you've seen so many times happen overseas to, to such a high level of quality. And when it started happening, I thought, yes, this is exactly what we need to do. It's the kind of thing I would have done definitely if no one else did. But how? Well, that doesn't really matter. The fact that you're doing it is a really awesome thing. So next year is going to be amazing, I'm sure. I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, definitely going to keep my heart and recommendations for bringing people to help you guys out with workshops and talks and things like that. So good on you. Please, that would be great. And don't forget to submit a workshop. <laughs> uh, yeah. I will still do that. <laughs> you need like a deadline or something like that. Yeah. Well, you got a bit of time. <laughs> got a couple of months. Yeah. Damn, it's already August. We're in August, yeah. Exactly. So, there. yeah, we've got early mover tickets on special now at the moment. So, the regular price for a weekend pass is 900 Rand. You can buy tickets now for 700 Rand for the weekend pass. Do it. Well, just to get an idea, is more than 20 workshops per day to choose from. So, if we just think about. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, you're getting, you know, potentially. You could do, I think, I think as an individual, you can do four in a day. Yeah. Um, you know, so you're getting that really at a fraction of what it would cost you to do each of those workshops individually. And we get, or we aim to get some of the best teachers the country mm. has to provide. And that's the thing as well. I noticed it's kind of, with an event like that, it's not just, you know, this lighthearted oh, this is what I do, come join us, just have fun. Like, it definitely is fun and genuine, but there is a level of professionalism and high-quality coaching that you'll get. Mm -hmm. So coming to this thing, you'll be exposed to many things either you may not have ever done before or it will allow you to have an experience where you've got a really good teacher, really good environment for this kind of cocoon that's going to unlock some things, hopefully. So it's really a way for you to try out something or to, it can be the step that makes you delve into something a bit more mm. all while having fun because I mean, it's all optional stuff. Like you, if you really are up for the challenge of doing that many, go for it. Yes. But even if you're doing a couple, you know, yeah. in the days, it's totally yeah. still worth it. Well, exactly. And a normal, I mean, again, a normal workshop, let's say 350 to 500 yeah, rand for one workshop so that's already, you know, a day pass mm. in a way. So and there'll be food too. <laughs> There's food <laughs> available, yeah. So we, we, we're currently working that out and just setting up uh, who will be catering, et cetera. And yeah, awesome. if people want to jump on board, they can reach out to us, um, movinghumansconvention uh, at gmail.com. Swing it so, out. Yeah. We'll definitely chat more about that close to the time as well and get some some more sweet details as the time approaches but yeah you guys have presence on the socials and that email address is there reach out to them especially if you're looking to get involved with teaching at the, the event okay last straightforward question is one piece of advice it can be general can be specific to movement that you would give to someone any age any skill level 
Um, <clears throat> move. <laughs> move. Done. But um, but more specifically, I think the thing I really like, um, actually, uh, John Yuen, who's one of my teachers, he shared something recently. It was just about feeling 10% better. And, I actually and he that, was yeah. saying, mobilize. If you want to feel 10% better, just mobilize. And I completely agree. It's something I do every single day is just take time to mobilize. You don't have to try to get to your end range of motion. You don't have to try and work hard. It doesn't. It, it should actually be very low intensity, mm. very low impact, very low threshold. Just move. You know, move in such a way that you can do 30, 40 repetitions and still feel like you could do more. Mm. You know, and the way I see it is, Doing something simple like joint circles is a great way to just make sure you get through every joint in your body. You know, okay, I did circles for my neck. I did circles for my mm. shoulder. I do circles for my wrists. I do circles for my ankles. Just do circles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't matter Control what shape your circle slow. is. Exactly. Circle. <laughs> yeah. But, but move your joints, really. Mm. Mobilize your body. Feel through your body. Um, it doesn't matter what's right or wrong. Is my advice is just move the body you're in. You know, it, it's not about moving it in this way or that way. Um, something I like is just close your eyes. <laughs> if you're standing, just <laughs> yeah. close your eyes. Make sure you're in a safe environment. Yeah. Close your eyes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and and then just kind of start feeling into your space and and seeing what articulation you know can be expressed through your physical structure um i think it's really powerful and empowering to realize like oh actually my body moves in this way that i had no idea it could you know just a simple thing can suddenly become a daily routine you know you might discover something that changes your life just by standing with your eyes closed and squirming about so why not (laughs) (laughs) even for myself I kind of have to not remind myself but sort of approach it from that point of view this is why I probably also made this brand going forward it's just to just to remind yourself of that every day and I felt like it's it's absolutely worth it just to check in just doesn't matter what what you're going to do later or what you just did or if you're like super stressed, whatever it is, just exactly like you're saying, just do anything, mm-hmm. just move a bit. And then you don't even have to plan it. You don't even have to think how long you'll do it for because that will usually just happen on its own anyway. Completely. Like if you can get someone to just move around for a couple of minutes, it will probably go longer, yeah. 10, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, if not, it's fine. You still did something and allowed you to just feel out yourself. Exactly. And if you, if there's experiments and you can find out more about it, but the effects of sitting and the effects of being in one place for a long time, what that literally does to your body is devastating in the long term. Mm -hmm. So even a couple minutes of a very light movements will change everything. So it's also referred to as sort of movement snacks. Yeah, you, movement want, snacks. I love those. Yeah, exactly. So, I also use that term. So it's just I found that that's 
It's a way to check in. It's a way for you to see like, I feel this way. Do I actually feel this way? Mm. Uh, would it be better if I move? Would mm. it get worse? Or mm. does it affect, is it like that because of this? And it, it just gets you into that space of interacting with yourself. Mm-hmm. And the more you can do that, the more you can kind of shake off the cobwebs and and just feel better, just feel Completely. better. And that's that's the basis of everything. You should feel better. So 10%, I mean, if, even if you get 10% better, that's amazing. Yeah. So that was a cool article. I actually happened to read that one. That guy as well. So yeah, mind blowing. Rubber, right? rubber band. That yeah. guy is amazing. Yeah. So I've been working with OMU now for I think they've been around for about a year, which is Online Movement University. OMU, which is um, John Yuan, uh, DJ Murakami. Is he a DJ? Um, <laughs> Daniel <laughs> Daniel <laughs> DJ Murakami, and then uh, Jonathan Hunmast. So they um, created something called OMU Online Movement. Um, university mm. and uh, essentially every three weeks you get a new presenter um, who will present a, a whole kind of module so John he he led a, a task-based training and then uh, awesome. Jonathan did a floor work training uh, DJ he did a strength um, module we just did three weeks now with Rafe Kelly doing a natural parkour um, oh, awesome. we did juggling with Jeremy Fine we did hand balancing with Yuri Momstein. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, we've we've worked with some of the most incredible teachers. You know, all done online. The correspondence kind of um, thing. Three these weeks. Li- are these live things, or is it kind of so they, retrospective? Yeah, it's 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 uh, pre-recorded, so they'll record uh, whatever your tasks are for the week, which becomes your homework. Yes. And then you record yourself attempting the homework and they give you feedback and then you just go week by week, go over your three weeks and that's it. Sure, it sounds amazing. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I briefly skimmed <coughs> the website recently, but I'm absolutely going to look at it again in greater detail. Yeah, really so cool. I, I jumped in when they launched it because they obviously had like a pre-sale special. I just... I jumped in then and there because mm. it's gone up like four times since I signed up. So yeah. I'm really happy I signed <laughs> up when I did. Front of the wave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is where you want to be, the front of the wave, by the yeah. way. Not in the middle. Unless you're the one taking pictures. <laughs> <laughs> so what Justin's trying to say is it's all contextual. All contextual <laughs> where does. you want to be is what best suits where you are. <laughs> or be the way <laughs> so basically be where you are and how you are as you are right so Very, this whole conversation didn't need to happen because that's all remains the same exactly we <laughs> could have just stayed ourselves back in the beginning <laughs> cool man thank you cool. for your time it was really awesome yeah thank you it was there, lots of fun there will be more and there will be more not in a seated position I hope so which is uh, something I'm really keen for. But I'm um, looking forward to seeing how the stuff goes, your research. I will join some time, help you out, help each other, help the world, change lives. Basically superheroes, but... Uh, Basically. Like it's exactly what hoodies. we are. Hoodies <laughs> and fair use. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so oh, only like real that. superheroes wear fair use. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cool, man. Thanks so Brilliant. much. Brilliant. Thank you so much. We'll see you Lots soon. Lots of fun. Cheers.